In a world full of prescription drugs for healing and living reactive lives, Fit to Succeed podcast is here to encourage, educate, and empower you to make decisions for the longevity of your life. Hi, I'm Natalie Jean, a mom to four boys, a wife to a SWAT sniper, gym owner and fitness coach, and a huge advocate for establishing healthy habits that are sustainable so you can achieve success, fitness related or not. Here we talk about physical health as well as mental and spiritual health. It's a place where you discover what success means to you and where your health is a major contributing factor. Get ready to be inspired. It starts right now. All right, guys, welcome back to Fit to Succeed podcast. And today I'm so excited because we have our very first guest of this new podcast. So I want to welcome Allie to this podcast. Welcome, Allie. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on here with you. Um, This is my first one, so I'm nervous but excited. So we'll get through it. Well, you have quite an incredible story to share. And so I'm honored that you get to be on this one as your first. So um, I guess we'll just start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, Um, you know, kind of family, job, hobbies, anything like that. Yeah, so I am originally from Salina, Ohio. So it's a very small town. Um, My husband and I actually met not in high school, but we met in college um, from our hometown. And I was a special education teacher there for about five years. And during COVID, my husband actually got a call. He's coaching baseball. And he actually got a phone call during the the time where you think like nobody's going to hire you. And he got um, hired at the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss here. So we made the move to Oxford with our three-year-old son. And um, at the time when we first moved here, I did network marketing and I slowly got out of that. And I was just taking some business classes because honestly, I had no idea what I wanted to do um, with my life because I'm like, okay, do I go back into teaching or, you know, do I try something new? And so I actually just started Instagram marketing through that. So I'm staying at home with our three-year-old son right now who I have a babysitter here. So if you hear yelling, I will apologize. But um, yeah, so I do that. I'm a stay-at-home mom. So I went from working full-time and, you know, to being a stay-at-home, which I love. So. Yeah. Well, welcome to the entrepreneurial world and it's quite a roller coaster, but, um, you're definitely in good hands, you know, with the community that you're a part of and stuff like that. So, um, it's really exciting that, uh, you're here and I know we're not talking your entrepreneurial, um, journey. We are talking more along the health journey that you've been on. So I know you have a very important story to share. And so I would love to hear about it. And, you know, we're talking specifically IVF and then kind of your take on it and your thought process emotionally, physically um, over that time and, and how you feel that God's kind of put you in the right place at the right time, even when you didn't feel like it. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I, we, so we've been married a total of eight years. Um, but as soon as we got married, I was like gung ho. I was like, I want to have kids right away. And things like that. And he was very supportive. I mean, not that he wanted to have a kid right away, but I mean, if it happened, it happened. That's kind of where we were at. Um, and so we had actually tried for about a year, um, on our own to have kids and it just wasn't happening. And I finally talked to my OB. I was like, is there something wrong? Um, you know, like what's going on? And they did a whole bunch of testing. They couldn't figure it out. So I actually tried Clomid for a good three months. Um, 
still nothing happened. And I actually kind of took it in my own hands. My doctor just kept testing and testing. And I remember crying in the teacher workroom and one of my coworkers came in and was like, Hey, I've been there. Here's my OB. If you're ready to switch or try something new. And I really had to pray on it and talk to my husband because infertility is not something that's a part of either one of our families really. Um, so I decided to go to a different doctor. So I went to an OB, um, who actually ended up finding out I had endometriosis, which, you know, again, I had no, I, I didn't even know what that was. It was, yeah. but I had heavy periods growing up and they just told me that was kind of normal. So, um, you know, when I met this OB, she's like, it's actually really not normal. And so she actually referred me to her partner that she had done research with, who was a separate OB at the same clinic and was like, she specializes in endometriosis. I kind of want to hand you over. So I went to her for several months and we'd actually did surgery. So they did a surgery. They took some of the tissue out, but it's never really good. Natalie, I think when a doctor tells you, oh, like you're in my top so many worst cases I've ever seen. And I'm like, jeez. Oh. <laughs> So yes, they, know, need, you, they need one of those things. That's like never to say to your patient. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. So that's kind of where I was at. And so she felt like she did everything that she could do, um, and set me on to a specialist in fertility because she kind of had felt like we weren't going to be able to do it like a natural way. So, um, we went to a fertility doctor actually in Dayton. So we were driving like an hour and a half from where we were at before to go see this doctor. And, um, we did like an initial consultation. He looked through my surgery records. He tested my husband and really what it came down to is my ovaries weren't really working and they had to take my fallopian tubes out because those were completely shot, which, you know, they were like, you know, if you were to, you know, I didn't realize this, that like normal couples that don't have issues, they still only have like a 14% chance of getting pregnant every cycle. Whereas like when my doctor talked to me, he's like, you have like a 1% chance. I was like, okay. So it was real low. This real is low. not good news. <laughs> yeah. Not good news. Um, so he really thought that IVF was going to be our only route, but thought that I'd have to have surgery before starting IVF. So my husband and I, I remember crying all the way home and my husband was like, he's like the calm, like I'm the storm and the chaos. And he's just like, you know, he's the calm all the time. And he's like, you know what, like what's ever going to happen is going to happen at this point. Um, so we had to talk about it because IVF financially is very expensive. Insurance doesn't cover it. Um, so making a decision at the time where, you know, after a year of trying now we were into year three. Um, and it was just like putting down like 15 to 17 grand isn't like ideal, but you have to pay it all up front. So we went home, we talked about it. Um, really, I think we prayed on it together. You know, we're not a couple that prays together, but that was kind of like the time where we really started doing it. And um, we had appointment a month later. So the doctor kind of gave us a month to talk about it. And we came back and we were like, okay, like we're going to go ahead and we're going to do it. Um, and again, he was just like, okay, so we set a surgery date to take out my fallopian tubes. And then it was going to be another month until we actually had gone through and started the process of IVF. And, um, I just remember after my surgery thinking like, God, like I'm hoping this works.
Like, this is kind of where we're at. Um, and so we went through and I started the medications, which it took me 30 minutes to give myself my first shot. Like I would sit there with, with my medicine. I'd go one, two. And then I, no, no, it it took forever. And my husband, yeah. Can you, are you good with needles? Well, no. So I was just going to say though, but like, so curious to know then that first shot and then by the end, right. However many shots you end up taking yourself, like what was the difference between that first shot and the hundredth shot? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually was 187. The first shot, oh 187, which, which, okay. The first one wow. took forever. And then by the end of it, I'm just like sitting here, like, no, you know, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Now, I will say the shots I had to go in my hip, my husband did. Cause I thought I, that was going to make me pass out. I, I could not do that. But um, yeah, so we started the whole process of doing the hormone shots and um, you would go in and it's, it's such like a, a process and it's a mental struggle as well, because you go in once a week, they check your numbers, you do blood work, and then they take a look at your follicles to see if they're growing. And, um, I just remember thinking I'm going to have like 20, 30 eggs because, you know, at the time I was what I was like 25. Um, and they found the first time I went in for our first checkup, they found like five. And I was like, okay, this is not good. So they kept upping my estrogen to see if there could be more. And on the final date, um, when we went for egg retrieval, they found 10, which was great. Um, but when they went to do like the implantation process, it, there was five left. So I had five mm-hmm. embryos from that. And then you wait five days after they do, you know, the couplings together. And the day we went to do my transfer, we had two there was two Mm. embryos left and I, I did, I, I cried because you know, that the odds weren't very good anyway. And to think that there were two left and my doctor was like, you know, we want to implant one, but if you want to do two, like we can do two and just freeze the other one. And then it's just weird. Like you have to kind of make a decision when you walk in, like, and it's like, Oh, okay. So we talked about it. Um, they implanted both. Um, and then it's the waiting for two weeks without taking a pregnancy test to kind of see where your HCG levels are Mm -hmm. and everything like that. Um, even through that, I remember crying. There was a lot of crying involved here. (laughs) Um, and a lot of praying, you know, we went to church and I felt like everybody knew when you're going through IVF, you can't really hide a pregnancy. Um, especially from my friends that I was teaching with, um, because I was missing a lot of work and they were praying for me. Our church was praying for us. Um, and we, what was it? I waited. What was it? So the day they were supposed to call me to tell me whether I was pregnant or not, they, I was the last person they called. So I took off work that entire day. Cause I'm like, okay, if I get bad news, like, I don't want to hear it. If I get good news, great. Well, I was actually coaching high school cheerleading at the time and we had an away game. I had to be in the car, like ready. Dr. Selden called me, nobody called me. So I was like, oh my gosh, they told me they'd call me by four. And it was like five till four at this time. We're in the, like, we're in the van with all the cheerleaders, may I tell you. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, like I have to take this phone call. And, you know, they ended up telling us that at the time we had really good numbers for twins. And I was thrilled. I was like, I was just excited to be pregnant because I don't know, um, you know, you take so many tests and they're negative. And now you're like, yes, like 
positive pregnancy mm-hmm. test. And um, a couple weeks later, when we went in for the first ultrasound, um, we found out that we had one who is Zane. Um, but I still, I cried a lot because I was so excited for twins. You know what it is? It's like, yeah. yes, like we can't have kids. We're going to get two and it's going to be fine. And my husband was like, again, he's the one that kind of like keeps me up. And it was like, wow, like, I'm just like so excited. We're pregnant with one. And um, yeah, and now we have Zane and here we are. Wow. That's, that's so amazing. You know, I have friends currently going through it, right? Um, same thing. They're young or some friends that are older and they're struggling with it as well. And um, I think too, you know, I know you, you, not you, but people look at me and they're like, oh, well, she has four kids. And you know, people just still don't know my story either, but, uh, I mean, I ultimately ended up having them all naturally, but uh, we did struggle at times. Um, I've been to fertility doctors, I've done shots, I've done Clomid, you know, I've done all those things and, and God's plan, right. is just his own plan. So he figures, he figures that he figures it out on his own. Uh, so yeah. And you know, that when you talk about like the HCG levels and like, I remember all that, I remember waiting for phone calls, um, I remember I've taken pregnancies tests and, you know, they've come out negative and it's just the most defeating thing. Cause then you're like, will this ever happen? Or, you know, is this ever going to be something that's for me? What is God's plan? You know, there's just so many unanswered questions. And then you get frustrated because you're like, well, you know, I'm sure you, everyone's had these thoughts. You're like, well, all these women that are like, don't want babies are having babies. And like, I know I'm going to be a good mom. And why isn't God giving me, you know, what I want and what I deserve. So through all of that, how do you manage like your physical health, your mental health and spiritual state during like all of those hard times? Oh my gosh. I will 100% um, hold myself accountable here where Um, at times I, you know, I've always like my parents have laid like a really good foundation of faith for me growing up. And there were times where I was so mad at God. Like, why, like, why me? Like you said, like I work with high school kids and my high school kids were getting pregnant and I'm like, oh my gosh, like why, why can this not be me right now? Like I, you know, and I felt like at the time I, I did have a little separation with me and God. Cause I was, I was, I was angry and most people that do that, um, do IVF for any sort of infertility treatments, you do kind of get mad a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, I feel like I had to grow in my faith in a way. Um, and just kind of like on a side note, right before we moved to Oxford, we were going to do IVF again. And I went to the doctor and they were just like, Hey, like your ovaries aren't working anymore. Like it's not going to happen. And so like Uh, you build up this whole cycle of like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I have faith in God that he's going to provide. And, um, you know, he still does provide even through the hard times. Um, and you know, there's been lessons and finding out we can't get pregnant again that I've really learned and I've struggled with. Um, but you know, in regards to like physical and mental health, I think for me, it's a lot of exercising. Um, a lot of running my thoughts out. Um, a lot of people, they can turn to, you know, alcohol or whatever. My thing has been running. Like I like to run out my feelings um, and things like that. And as far as spiritually, I feel like ever since we moved to Oxford, I joined a Bible study group of women and tried to plug myself into that community as much as possible. So when I am having bad days, those are kind of the people that I lean on and that can kind of give me, you know, a Bible verse or some spiritual guidance. 
Um, just because, I mean, you do, you can get yourself in this hole and it's hard to dig yourself out. Um, and another big thing I think is leaning on my husband and realizing he's going through it too. Um, as much yeah. as like the women, yeah, the women, we take it on, like we're doing the shots, we're doing everything. I mean, my husband's going through it too. And his experience of IVF is in a whole different way, but I feel like the one way we kind of came together through it was with God. Um, Mm-hmm. and just I feel like that's who we've really surrounded ourselves with anyway is just leaning into our faith and our faith-built um, community that you know we do have and realizing that you're never alone I think the biggest phrase I hear people say like is like God is good but they only say it through the good times it's like no he's good through the bad times too and you're might not learn like a lesson from it right then but maybe a year or two down the road you're like oh like okay now I get it. So it eventually comes in yeah. a circle. Yeah. Um, and I love, so you and I would probably be like really good friends because I'm a runner too. I run out all my thoughts. I run out all my feelings and it's just, uh, one of those things. And I think exercise, right. It's like the best case scenario, if you will, that like when you are going through hard times, that the movement and being able to do things that you're like, you're moving your body in ways that um, help your mental state. And it helps all, all of that. And then the second thing that you said that I, I really wanted to point out was the point of community. And uh, I think now more than ever too, right. It's easier because we do have social media. So you can go on Instagram and see the hashtag IVF and follow like thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people that are going through something or have been, or have success stories or right. There's different ways that you can connect so that you don't feel like you're alone. So I think community is huge for that. Um, how do you feel God's used your struggles for the good? So obviously you have a successful IVF story. And so that's amazing. But what about like all the struggles that you went through and the struggle potentially that you might have faced or are going through that you want another one, but you're not able to kind of, how do you feel God's used you and those struggles? Oh, shoot. I think um, the big thing for me is like, I feel like God's introduced me to so many people um, through the process. Like um, there's so many people now that I, like when I was doing IVF, it really wasn't heard of. None of my friends went through it. None of my family went through it. So I feel like when I, I've really been trying to talk to people that are going through the infertility experience and I do have a success story, but at the same time, like telling them like, Hey, like, you know, if you really want to have a child, like it might not be what you originally thought, but it's going to be the way that God planned it for you. Um, so like if IVF wouldn't work out, you know, there's adoption, there's foster to adopt. There's so many things that you can do that if you really want your family to grow, you know, you can do that. It's just really getting to the point of, okay, what do you and your husband or you and your spouse kind of want to do together um, to kind of work through that. And I feel like I've met so many people that are going through IVF or thinking about it or had like number after number failed pregnancy and just tried to give guidance. And um, I feel like I've really tried to think, okay, what would I want somebody to say to me? Because it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I'm a success. You know, I had a kid, but like people didn't see all the, you know, behind the scenes leading up to that. So 
I feel like I'm a very open person. So if people ask me about it or, you know, like they're like, well, how did you feel during this? I'm going to tell them and it might not always be pretty. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like God's really used me in that way. And now I'm on here. We are podcasting together to talk about it. And I feel like God like introduced us at the right time as well. And, you yeah. know, just being sharing and introducing us to new friends has been huge. Yeah. I love that. Uh, a lot of times people say your mess is your message. So whatever struggle that you went through, whatever hardships of any kind, right. It could be, it could be IVF. It could be relational. It could be whatever. Right. And that what you've gone through is going to help other people. And, and that's not necessarily why you went through it, but the fact that you've overcome it or you've had the experience or, you know, how to get out onto the other side is what gives people hope and it gives people light. And so, um, I, I agree. I think God's kind of, um, put you in the spot to be able to, to do that. Um, I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but just advice that you have for anybody going through similar struggles. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice, um, I really like to go to Bible verses too. So, um, thinking of some off the top of my head would be like Proverbs three, which is, um, trusting in the Lord with all your heart. So make sure to do that. And then Romans five, I believe, which talks about, you know, God being there with you through um, your sufferings. And like I said, like, if you have hope and you really want to do it, don't give up just because it didn't work the first time or the second time, um, or the third time, you know, I think God does really have a plan for each and every one of us. And, mm -hmm it's not going to go how we thought it would, um, but it, it'll turn out how it's supposed to be. And especially if you're struggling with a child, just knowing there's options out there and it's going to be expensive. Um, and you know, you, he'll, he'll provide through all of it. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. I love that. And I think sometimes too, people that might be going through it, you know, they might be listening and being like, yeah, yeah. Easy for you to say, or, you know, like I've heard that before. And it really is kind of taking a moment to, to step back, maybe to like have a higher view of it. And, um, and I know again, people are probably listening being like, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're just in the, a place of hurt and frustration, mm -hmm. but if they can take even just the slightest moment to, um, you know, appreciate and, um, you know, I've known for myself too, the more that I turn to God for things and spend time with him, like the more I do get answers. And sometimes it's not like the answer I want. And sometimes I have no idea what the answer is. And I keep searching, I keep searching, but like you said, I mean, it's time and over, over year, you know, weeks, months, years, like it'll all come to make sense. Um, so just, you know, having hope, having faith, and again, being surrounded by people and being in community with people, uh, introducing yourself in, in different, you know, Facebook groups or Instagram posts and just engaging with people so that you know, like you're not alone. And one of the things one of my mentors said is like, what's most personal to you? How did he say it? I'm totally going to butcher it, but whatever's most personal to you is actually very common. And so when you share it, even though it feels so personal to you, when you share it, like you then give, you know, Sally permission to be like, oh my gosh, I really am not alone. Or, you know, give, uh, some other people that you have no idea who who's seeing your stuff, just giving them hope and faith. Right. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. I think just recently I've been in the space of sharing it more on Instagram. Um, You know, I am a private person, but at the same time, I'm like, gosh, if my experience can help somebody out, like I'm going to put it out there and you just don't know how it's going to be received. I feel like that's part of us, like not wanting to, I'm like, okay, well, people receive this well. And you know, for you were talking about the listeners that are probably thinking, oh my gosh, like that's easy. Okay. I was there too. I I was there too. I was like, oh, okay. Like, of course she would say that, but you know, know, there are people that understand your hurt and where you're at and, you know, getting the help you need and, you know, who knows, maybe put yourself out there a little bit and, you know, you never know who you get energies to that, you know, might need your help or vice versa. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, Allie, I have loved hearing your story and, you know, like I said, what's most personal is so common for so many people. And so for you to be able to step out and you're out of your comfort zone and share and be vulnerable with it, I really do think is going to help people. Um, how can people find you, whether it's like Instagram or a website or whatever it is that you have, where can people go to maybe kind of follow you and, um, maybe even reach out to you with their struggles? Yeah. So on Instagram, um, you can look me up at, at Allie, A-L-L-I-E, the letter K Slavic is S-L-A-V-I-K. So Allie K Slavic. Um, and on, I'm on Facebook as well. And it's just Allie Slavic is what you would look up for that. And eventually I'm going to venture into TikTok. Eventually it's that's coming, but right now that's where they can find oh, me on Instagram and Facebook. Oh geez. TikTok, man. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, well, awesome. I adore you so much. And it's such a pleasure to finally get to meet you, you know, over zoom, but, um, maybe one day we'll meet in real life. Yes. Yes. I can't wait. And I look forward to that. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. My hope is you found some inspiration, motivation, and the tools you've needed to implement healthy habits into your life and never underestimate what you are capable of. It would also mean so much if you would subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Until next time.